Howdy, my name is Thomas McPhee, and you're listening to The STEM. The STEM is a music podcast where I talk about my thoughts and feelings on whatever happens to make its way into my musical rotation each month. This episode I'll be talking about The Far Field, the new album from New England synthwave indie pop rocksters, Future Islands. This episode specifically goes out to Michael Barrow, Connor Doyle, Mitchell Fields, Chell Cohen, Ryan Hitch, and Chris Porzenheim the ultimate Future Islands fans. Future Islands holds a special place in my heart, as they are one of the bands that primarily define and soundtrack my college experience. I first heard them when I was introduced to them by my housemates during my third year of college, and I have fond memories of playing their entire discography on repeat while sitting in the common room of our apartment. The song Seasons, Waiting on You, especially stands out as the quintessential and defining song from the band and my experience with them so far. Their music is prominently bass lines and generally upbeat synth backgrounds with Samuel T. Herring's scratchy, gruff baritone vocals. Imagine a major key, slightly more upbeat, funky Tom Waits, then stick him in a three-piece rock band with only a bassist, and that gives you a very rough idea of what Future Island sounds like. If there's the one complaint I would lodge at the band, it's that they have a very strong comfort palette, and they rarely move outside of it. If you've heard five of their songs, you've heard most of them, and there's a high degree of sonic repetition, so there's a high focus put upon the listener to follow along with the lyrics and pick them apart, as they stand as the main demarcation between different songs, and there are also just really good lyrics, which helps. That brings us to The Far Field, which, while continuing some of the same repetitions, manages to be one of the most experimental a term I'm using somewhat loosely here, an adventurous Future Islands albums, both sonically and lyrically. The album opens with Aladdin, which is instantly recognizable as a Future Islands song, and yet has a nice energy to it that feels revitalized and helps it stand out slightly from their previous works. All the instrumental elements here feel a little closer together, more tightly compressed, more sharply played, and herring syncopated singing here is attention-grabbing and highly engaging. While most of Future Island's song compositions are pretty stripped back and simplistic, this track feels simpler than most, and that helps to make it compelling. The lyrics have the singer wondering whether his love, this majestic and vivid memory of love, was real, and whether all the beautiful and immense feelings and moments that the love contained could ever possibly have happened. Future Islands have always used some pretty gorgeous nature imagery, but this track features some absolutely standout lines. with the simple violin melody being played out quietly to the track's conclusion, and it feels grand and majestic, like the aforementioned love, but also understated, just big enough to be taken seriously, but not so much so as to be seen as puffed up or self-obsessed. Time on Her Side, the next track, opens with the spectacular beat of a four-note progression repeating in, and an immediately catchy and lovable melody that I wish could have been left by itself, but sadly the bass, drums, and vocals do suddenly burst in, blooming the song into full flourish. 
This track is busier than the last, and suffers slightly from, oh, it's another Future Island song for it, with a bass line that feels immediately recognizable from half a dozen other songs they've composed. The song probably features one of my favorite Future Island's choruses, which tells the story of the eponymous woman who has time on her side, and who adventures forth because of her youthful speed and energy. It's a beautiful and poignant song about aging and agency, and the ways in which we lose our freedoms and our choices as we get older. The song seems to directly relate to the album artwork with the line, She's a garden rose and blossoms head to toe. And it also speaks to larger themes on the album as the singer, while remarking on this woman's youth, is juxtaposing that against his own approaching death, a topic that will come up later. The next track, Ran, opens with a synth whine that feels reminiscent of a Depeche Mode song. Until, once again, the bass line kicks in and we all remember whose house we're actually at. The song is, however, noticeable for the extra oomph seemingly given to the bass drums and the bass guitar, as Herring's vocals feel somewhat buried in the mix, and in this case, given what is usually the background melodies and instrumentation, more of a center stage position in the composition, and it helps to keep it fresh and wake me up as a listener. It also feels important because lyrically, this song is a lot weaker, lacking a clear narrative, and instead peddling in well-penned cliches and platitudes about how the singer needs this person's love in order to survive, and that they are the impetus for every song he writes. While the lyrics are a little more predictable, or at least less vivid and engaging than previous lyrics on the album so far, Herring does incorporate some very, very slight and quick, harsher vocals, not like in a metal album per se, but it is growled and shouted more than it is sung for a few moments, and it helps convey the intensity of his sense of dependency and his complete devotion to the subject. Beauty of the Road follows, which also opens with a Depeche Mode-esque synth loop of short staccato beeps and blares, and helps trick me into thinking that the band might have fundamentally changed their sound in some way. Nope. This song does an interesting thing with its chorus, though, where each time it's sung, the specific instruments featured in the background change, and rather than building up to a loud and heavily produced chorus, the production actively disappears and leaves just the bare bones to play along with Herring's singing, which draws interesting focus back onto his lyrics and subverts the expected in a cool way. Though a lot of Future Island songs subvert traditional verse-chorus-verse structures in such a way as to make this kind of analysis very confusing, it's also worth noting that the second verse features some really interesting vocal work with surprising melodies and really ear-catching harmonies that felt unexpected coming from the band. The lyrics aren't as engaging or unexpected as some of their others, as they simply recalled a second chance at a previously failed relationship. The first real inclination that this album is going to potentially be pushing the band in new directions comes on the next track, Cave. There's a lot of really interesting and somewhat subtle production choices on this song that I really love, and it helps stand out against the rest of their discography. The song opens with big, swirling synth swells, but when Herring begins singing, it's shocking to hear the processed digital effect he's put on his voice, which smooths down some of the edges while giving his voice a slightly computer quality, and it really suits his voice and makes the song instantly more engaging. Then, as we move through the first verse-chorus pair, a few other small features make themselves known and build on this more experimental sensibility. Take a listen to this chorus. <laughs> I don't believe anymore. I don't believe anymore. Is all we know. It's gone and cold. I don't believe anymore. 
subtle, almost synth crash in the background that dissonantly plays against the sung melody, as well as the sharp grating noise that pierces right at the end. These rougher, more unsettling elements are really unusual for the band, and add such an interesting level of complexity and willingness to potentially alienate the listener that I instantly love them. I'm reminded in a way of whale calls, almost, and I honestly mean that in a positive way. It sounds inhuman and it adds to the inhuman nature of Herring's voice with the effects he's put on it. When all of those elements combine with Herring's ferocious growling right before the final chorus, and that chorus incorporating heavily affected guitar shreds that sound like alarm whales, or again, like whale calls, I'm instantly hooked. These inhuman qualities make sense, as the song is a magnificently captured existential crisis of sorts, with Herring making clear that he doesn't believe in anything anymore, left with a cold and unfamiliar world, wondering if he wishes to die, or wishes to never die, finding that his motivations also paralyze him. This is a really fantastic track, and I'm impressed by the band for putting it together. Things slow down somewhat for the next song, Through the Roses, which, while sonically being pretty familiar to Future Islands Fair, lyrically pushes their boundaries and creates an incredibly vivid portrayal of depression and suicidal ideation. The song's lyrics open with a nice syncopated list of things the singer wants you to see from him. Happiness, songs, joyous looks, and then juxtaposes it with what he wants to hide from you his weeping and sadness. He reflects on his parents and his love of them and how he doesn't want to leave them, but feels like he doesn't have the strength to carry on. We then reach the chorus where the singer reflects on his fear, which is hidden behind smoke and mirrors from who he sings to, and how he is no better and no stronger than that subject, but he is scared that he cannot pull through his mental illness and survive it. To be human, to want some sense of truth in the world, these are tasks which have become too much for him, things that feel like burdens or that terrify him into immobility and a longing to see the end. But he is reaching out one last time, maybe for help, or maybe simply to explain what he is going through and why he might do what he might do. Then we get to the second chorus, which features the most explicit, detailed suicidal ideation imagery, which honestly took me by surprise and felt shocking coming from this band, and especially set against the somewhat melancholy, bouncy production. He speaks explicitly of slitting his wrist, personifying the cut he would make as an entity waiting for the singer's eventual arrival, and how it is getting stronger in its power. It's evocative, and it's difficult to listen to, but it creates a very clear sense of where the singer is at with their mental health, and how they are seeing the issue represented in their mind's eye. The song provides a turn at the end lyrically, with the singer either reminding or convincing himself that, together with who he is singing to, they can pull through this. They can find the help they need to, to give the singer strength and to help his mental health. This song does, in my mind, as someone who struggles sometimes with mental health and has had issues of suicidal ideation in the past, a fantastic job of discussing mental health and suicide in music. It's not glorifying anything, and nor is it cliché or belittling the subject for having struggles with these issues in any way. The imagery is powerful, simple, and the struggle presented is one that entirely takes place inside the singer's head. It represents effectively how, for many people, no matter what outside factors may influence mental health and help or hurt one's work with it, it always comes back to what goes on inside one's head. This is a song where I'm glad the production and instrumentation is so familiar, because it doesn't require me to try and process too many new or uncomfortable or difficult things at once. It provides a safety net to rest against while having a focused and difficult discussion on an important topic, and I'm very glad this song exists.
The experimentation, however, doesn't take a break for the rest of the album, and comes back swinging on North Star. The opening synth lines, cowbell beats, and funky drum rhythms are infectious and highly danceable, and totally unlike anything I'd expect from them. This is an incredibly bubbly and bouncy love song that I could totally get see getting played at wedding receptions. The lyrics paint a picture of the singer doing everything possible to catch up to their lover, braving blizzards and hurricanes and always finding new solutions to getting closer to his beloved. While the lyrics might sound a little cliché, there's a subtlety to them that helps and makes the song feel genuine rather than prepackaged pop fare, and the production is just so funky and groovy that I can't help but dance along and get hooked into this catchy and infectious song that is possibly the happiest thing this band has put out, but isn't really all that happy because, you know, this is Future Islands we're talking about here. It's simple but incredibly effective, and I highly recommend it for any road trip playlist you're hoping to put together. Ancient Water is next, and opens with what feels like an older and more staccato five-note synth opening, which transforms into a beautiful cascade that, if I'm being honest, immediately reminds me of the song Just What I Am by Kid Cudi, which I realize is a really bizarre comparison to make. The bassline here is more subdued and lets the synth do the production work, so the higher-pitched synth hits that come in with the first verse took a little while for me to warm up to, and really shine during the chorus rather than in the verses. The lyrics use grand and majestic nature imagery to describe, to my mind, time itself, using the metaphor of ancient waters or patient forests to show how gradual growth over time can change the worst aspects of the singer's personality and habits, namely his selfishness and apathy. It's not just time, though, that helps to bring about this change, but his partner, and he describes their relationship in this way. Keep me, I've been locked, and you're the key. Keep me, keep me, keep me till I'm ready to be free. This song has grown on me with repeated listens, and the bass mini-solo of sorts towards the end is really well put together and helps the song build towards something rather than stagnating. Then we get Candles, which, given how many engaging and surprising songs we've seen so far on the album, is wildly disappointing. It's an egregiously slow and boring slow jam that feels like it barely keeps itself in tune and on melody, and ultimately does almost nothing to engage or impress me. It's plotting, overlong, and uninteresting until the final 30 seconds, where there's some interesting vocal dubbing and melodies right at the song's end. The lyrics describe the singer witnessing a pain and torture that he is seeing someone going through, and he describes them as a, quote, little candle. He starts the song by saying that it's not his place to determine innocence and save them, and yet he also spends the song yearning to take the pain away from them, which feels vaguely conflated to me. The imagery in this song is not clear or well presented, and it's hard to fully decipher what's even going on lyrically, much less sonically. This song is, in my honest opinion, a mess, and it's shocking to see such a bad song follow so many strong and impressive tracks. Dayglow Fire does a good job of redeeming the band, though, as Herring's vocal cadence captures more tone and notes in it, holding on to specific melodies rather than letting them sort of rasp away as he's known for. The beat really drives on this track, and the bass line in the chorus packs a nice punch and power to it, really pushing the energy forward and getting you invested in the song. The opening verse of the song is a wonderful painting of the Rocky Mountains and a hiking trip for the singer's past, early on in his relationship with the other subject of the song. 
But, as the song goes on, we learn that things used to be good, but now they aren't anymore. As the relationship has fallen apart, the two have grown separate, and that this is the final moment for them. There's a nice metaphor parallel going on with the chorus, describing them as talking until the sun come up, but with this being the twilight, sunset, or end of the relationship, encompassing in a way the entire day's passing as the slow disintegration of their relationship. Again, it's familiar and relatively simple, but it's done so effectively that it remains captivating and engaging. The next song, Shadows, is the only track on the album that has a feature, and the guest is Debbie Harry, the lead singer of the new wave band Blondie. And while it's interesting to hear Herring share the vocal spotlight for once, her voice doesn't really do enough to set it apart from Herring's. She has a lot of the same vocal qualities that Herring has, and so it doesn't feel like it's pushing or pulling the band into new territory. She also has a slight tendency to wander away from her pitch slightly as she sings, so it feels like not the best utilization of the effort to put such a famous singer on the song, especially when it's the only feature on the album. The production and instrumentation is similarly bland and unremarkable, despite opening with a pretty and intriguing synth swell like from a sci-fi movie. It just turns into a simple and predictable track with lyrics that are almost too muddled in their jumping imagery and various mixed metaphors. There's shadows and dancing and ghosts and nudity, but it's hard to extrapolate what exactly they're all doing and what it means. It felt like too many ideas went in and not enough got stripped away, and the song is immediately skippable. Finally, the album closes with Black Rose, which continues the flower theme that's been present throughout the album's lyrics, song titles, and album artwork. I really love the opening of this song, with just the single synth and quiet tambourine immediately evoking a trepidatious atmosphere of uncertainty and longing. The chorus of the song really stands out with some great high-register synth melodies and the return of the interesting vocal effects from earlier. The chorus melody is really engaging. The overall feeling of the song is a really strong note to end on. It's not overly bombastic or pompous, but instead tempers the whole affair down slightly, condensing everything the album has been about so far into a small, intimate moment. The lyrics here present the love that we've seen struggle and die out and strengthen throughout the album as a song, once played records in a box, that reach out in winter to be played again, thought of again and experienced once more. It's a love that, when the world is at its coldest and stillest, cannot help but snake its way back to the forefront of your mind. It's a thoughtful and pretty song that stands out against the canon of Future Island's works while not betraying their sensibilities, and serves as a nice opposite to the album opener Aladdin, as they both reflect on flowers and memory. The songs on this album that push the band the furthest are some of their best, and really make the album shine, but there are enough middling or skippable tracks to make the album feel a little disappointing as you listen through it. For the majority of these songs, if they came up on shuffle, I'd listen to them and be glad I did. And even as a singular album, sitting down and just listening straight through is more pleasant experience than unpleasant. But taken as part of the entire future album's discography, it winds up not doing enough to distance itself and really show growth for the band. There are some truly gorgeous moments of poetry here, but I almost feel like the songs are better listened to as poems with repetitive music than songs that have meaning. And that is a little frustrating to me, I think. This album requires a lot of focus and attention to reach peak efficacy, with North Star being the happy exception. And if I'm going to sit down and exert that much energy, I wish that there were more returns from my efforts overall. I imagine that I'll play this album for a few months as perfectly pleasant and innocent music to read to, but I probably won't listen to it as closely as I did for this review more than a handful of times in the upcoming year. 
Thank you all for listening to another episode. You can reach me on Twitter, Tumblr, and Gmail, all at the STEM Podcast. If you have any comments, angry, happy, or otherwise, feel free to send those along. You can also find the STEM on iTunes. Search for the STEM Podcast to find me, and if you can, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a rating if you like the podcast. The theme music for the show is Cash Rules by Ari De Niro, which is available from Needle Drop Co. I'll be back next month with another episode, but until then, you've been listening to The STEM.